And I want to preach tonight on this subject. He did come to set us free from sin. Heavenly Father, help me as I preach tonight. I pray your will be accomplished. I preach this message, Lord, with a burden, a desire to be able to deliver the truth in a way that we can understand, in a way that we can be blessed to know why you came. And Lord, may our motives for service be pure. And may they meet your desire. May we not use your salvation for us. But Lord, may our salvation be used for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There are many aspects to the story of the coming of Christ in what we call Christmas. And then of the dying of Christ on the cross of Calvary, the purpose for which Christ came. You see, Christmas was about Calvary. Jesus didn't just come to live for us and to love us and to die for us. Jesus came to die uh, that he may pay for our sins and raise again from the grave, proving victorious over the greatest enemy of all mankind, and that is death. There are many parts to the story. I love to read and study of the many prophecies that were given, some broadly, some in great detail. It's interesting to study as our Christmas cantata this year pointed out the various journeys of the Christmas story. It's interesting to see the influence of the coming of Christ in his birth and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how he influenced government and governments of the world. It was said by the prophet that the government shall be upon his shoulders. There was a bit of misunderstanding as to when that would happen and the truth is there's still a bit of misunderstanding as to when that would or should take place. The national and world implications of the story, the people and the players that we read about from the coming of Christ at Christmas to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at the end of his purpose of life here on earth. It is obvious from the beginning that Christ came, the Messiah came to save man from the curse of sins. I want you to get a hold of that. I want you to see it. I thought as they sang through the songs this morning and again this evening, how many times they talked about being set free from sin. Jesus came to die for our sins. And yet so often I think we think that Christ came to set us free from so many other things that we even get frustrated when he does not deliver us from other things and we forget that he came to set us free from the worst thing and that is sin. The ultimate choice of man's life is to place his faith and trust in Christ. The ultimate choice, your choice, your personal choice, cannot be made by your husband or wife. It cannot be made by your mom or dad. It must be made by every individual person, whether you will place your faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sin and receive the gift of eternal life 
for you. Not only is that decision to be made, but you and I learn as a Christian that the just shall live by faith. For there are many who are saved by faith, but they live their life in fear, not understanding that Christ came not only to give us eternal life, but gave us, to give us victory even in this life. As I preached this morning, there are three basic reasons that men fear. And they fear because we wonder if our needs will be met. We wonder about judgment and we wonder about death. But in every time Christ said, fear not, I've come to make sure that your needs are met. You walk with me and you don't have to worry about judgment. And when death comes, you don't have to worry about that because you'll not die. You'll just depart from this life to eternity with Christ. The story of our text is an interesting story. It's had my attention for many years now, especially at the Christmas time. It is a, an intriguing story. It's the story of Jesus being brought before Pilate. They've demanded that Christ should be crucified after being tried in a kangaroo court, one that we would declare to be unfair, and certainly it was. It's intriguing to me because it deals with not only the choice of men, it deals with government, politics, leadership. Isaiah did prophesy that he would come and the government would be on his shoulders. The people did call him king. In fact, he himself said, yes, I've come as king of the Jews. People did follow him. In fact, it wasn't a few. It was many, in fact, thousands and thousands with no prior invitation, just by word of mouth, that they heard that the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, the miracle worker, the feeder of the, uh, of the, of the hungry and the a giver to the poor was there, they would come by the thousands to see him. Many of the people wanted Jesus to set up his kingdom and do away with that wicked Roman empire that so many had grown to hate. In fact, so many wanted this that they missed altogether the real reason. Are you listening? They wanted him to destroy their enemies so much that they missed the real reason that he came. He came to set them free from something far worse than the Roman government. He came to set them free. He came to set us free from sin. He did not come to set them free from the crooked government of man. He came to set them free from their sin, which is what caused the government to be crooked to begin with. Let's watch what happens in these verses. Pilate is faced with the most difficult decision. The decision is now in Pilate's court, and I do not believe that he likes it at all. I believe he's very nervous and afraid at what he has been given to do to declared Jesus to be a criminal and worthy of crucifixion. There was something about this King Jesus that was royal in spite of the hatred, in spite of the accusations made against him. He was royal in the majestic silence with which he faced his accusers. The priest whose demeanor and denunciations gave them away as Emissaries of hell provided no evidence of proof against him. It was obvious that Jesus needed no glittering crown, no regal robe of purple, no 
ivory throne, no imperial guard, no diamond-studded scepter. He needed no earthly monarchy to proclaim him king. Pilate sensed that he was in the presence of a greater king than Caesar. He sensed in his spirit, in his demeanor, his choice of words, that he was in the presence of a king, in fact. But Pilate had to choose. Pilate had to make a choice. He could do the right thing and release this innocent man who really posed no threat to the Caesar of Rome. And if Pilate released Jesus, he would run the risk of another uprising in Jerusalem and the danger that Caesar would learn of him releasing the man that claimed to be king and he was just in a fix. He didn't know what to do. He didn't have the courage to do what was right to do and in fact many will die and go to hell because they don't have the courage to say yes I put my faith and trust in Christ for my salvation. They don't have the courage to say yes I am a sinner in need of a savior. They don't have the courage to say to family or friends or those that might would mock and say I'm not ashamed to receive Christ as my Savior. But Pilate in a fix here uh, trying to make a decision that would appease many and relieve him of his responsibility. Pilate could do the wrong thing and condemn Jesus to death and live not only with a guilty conscience to the end of his days be reminded by his wife who had sent him a note. Don't you have anything to do with this man? There's nothing wrong with this man and I've suffered many things already because of what's going on. Pilate was too big a coward to release Jesus. Then it seems that Pilate remembers the local custom for the governor to release a prisoner to the Jews at Passover time. Notice chapter 27 and verse number 16. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Now why was Barabbas a notable prisoner? It was because he was a part of the insurrection. He not only hated the Roman government, he had worked with people. He had tried to gather a crowd, a militia if you will, to overthrow this Roman government and take a stand for the people and the rights of the people and he was a notable man because of who he was, and of course he was a criminal. He was a robber. It's interesting how quickly folks follow someone, even if they're wrong, if that person is working to satisfy their personal desires. Are you listening to me? Rather than choose someone that's right in the end, we'll sometimes follow those knowing they are wrong, but they say what satisfies us. They say what would please us. And so he remembers this notable man. Normally the people would choose just whoever they wanted to release at the time of Passover. But this time Pilate gave them a choice. He'll make them make the decision that he has been required to make. He would limit the choice to Barabbas or Jesus. Why not force the people to choose between the two? He remembered the hosannas that had rung through Jerusalem a few days before when Jesus had come to town. I really believe that Pilate wanted the people to release Jesus. 
In fact, from what he said, from what his wife said, and what he did afterward when he washed his hands and said, I'm innocent of this man's blood, and in hell he'll be washing the blood from his hands of imagination, knowing that he personally did not make the decision to believe himself in Christ. What better way would there be to please the people? To let himself off the hook. Let the masses choose Jesus. Now Barabbas, he was a rebel. He was a robber. He was a rabble rouser. And surely the people would choose Jesus, the one who had healed their sick, cleansed their lepers, cast out the demoniacs, fed their multitudes, and even raised the dead. Look at the passage, if you will. Pilate says in verse 17, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called the Christ? I want you to go to verse number 20. But the chief priest and elders persuaded the multitude. Now see this throng gathered together. Perhaps there is a balcony in which Pilate has stepped out to speak to the people and perhaps that was a common scene and he speaks to the people I'm going to let you choose between the notable Barabbas that you all know or this man Jesus he watches as those crooked and evil priests of religion began to work the crowd. Notice the chief priest and the elders persuade the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Why? Because Barabbas would give them what they want. Jesus would give them what they needed. One of the great dangers in America today being so blessed as we are is to choose what we want over what we need. And so often we choose what makes us feel good. And sometimes it's not a choice of right and wrong or sin or, or righteousness. It's a choice just between two good things. And we constantly choose what we want rather than what we need. And here the chief priests, they persuade the multitude. You can see them as they work the crowd. You can see them as they whisper in one ear after another. Persuading the multitude to choose a guilty man instead of a godly man. To choose one who had hurt the people rather than one who had helped the people. To choose a violent man instead of a virtuous man, a robber instead of a redeemer, a godless man instead of God incarnate. They worked to cause that crowd to choose Barabbas. Listen as they whisper, listen as they speak to little groups of people, men and brethren, what Israel needs is not a meek Messiah like this Jesus of Nazareth. They need a militant man like Barabbas. We need one who will teach us how to fight, not to forgive. Barabbas is our kind of king. Barabbas is our kind of hero. He's not afraid of the Romans. And the, uh, the priests urge the crowd until they began to chant, Crucify him. Crucify him. You see, they were all missing the point. Jesus did not come at that time to lead a government. He did not come at that time to overthrow a government. He came to set them free from something eternal, 
not something temporal. Now, he is coming again. And when he comes as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the government will be upon his shoulder and he will rule in righteousness. He will rule in what is right. But friend, today we must understand why Jesus came. Jesus came to set us free from our sin. Oh no, I'm not talking about the wicked that we're thinking about that would produce the Hollywood movies. I'm not talking about the wicked that we would think about that would produce the booze and the drugs that are destroying people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sins that would come to the heart even of a child or a teenager, a young man or a woman like you or me that would choose to become a prodigal son and leave what his father had taught him to do. You see, it was sin that took the good boy into the far country. And there he wasted his substance in riotous living. You see, Jesus didn't come to just set those that we would classify as wicked to set them free from their sin. Thank God he came to set me free from my sin and you free from your sin. And that's why Jesus came. I fear that many today pray to God in the same attitude as this crowd called for Jesus to be crucified. Many pray today for God to save them from things that we don't like around us rather than the things that would destroy us. Now don't misunderstand me. I believe we have a responsibility to choose leaders of a good report and leaders who will lead us in paths of righteousness as far as our government is concerned. And I'm a patriot and a strong patriot and I love America and I want to see America have revival. But the problem with America is not the liberal politician. The problem with America is the sins of the people that would cause not only the people but all the way to government to be crooked and wicked and wrong. We must see what the culprit is for sin is the culprit. We have things turned around so much today. I hear folks say, why would God allow this? Why would God allow that? And you look at those situations and you realize it was the choice of sin that brought that about. It was the choice of sin that brought that hunger. It was the choice of sin that brought that separation. It was the choice of sin and the working of sin. You see, the Bible says sin, when it's finished in James chapter 1, it brings forth death. Jesus didn't come to bring forth death. Jesus came to bring forth life and, uh, and that we would have life and we would have life abundantly. Sin is a culprit. How sad it is to see the working of alcohol and drugs in our nation today. How, how sad it is to see the working of immorality breaking homes and marriages today. Alcohol and drugs leaving people forgotten and forsaken to die alone. That's the work of sin. I've watched little children in recent days who've been separated from mom and dad. Separated because of mom and dad's decisions and choices. And I've watched the tears of the little children as they got to see mom and dad for just a few hours. Not understanding all of it. I'm not sure the parents explaining and even understanding themselves that it was not just their chances or 
bad things that happened to them, but it was their decisions of sin. You see, a night on the town really isn't as fun as what it's advertised. A drink of the booze to satisfy the crowd that would look and laugh and pat you on the back and say, that a boy is really not worth the pride that's gained. I wish tonight we could all see the real price of sin. For you see, it wouldn't be a billboard that shows happy people having fun, drinking their booze. It would show children. Are you listening to me? Children going to bed alone tonight, wishing they were in a bedroom across the hall from mom and dad. Wishing they had a dad and a mom that would tuck them in bed and they could hear the words from their parents, I love you. Sin is a culprit. And that's what Jesus came to set us free from. Sometimes we say, God, why do you allow this to happen? And Lord, why do you allow this to happen? And I don't understand. And Jesus said, those are small things compared to the problem and the thing I came to set you free from. I came to set you free from sin. We do not see it and we do not think about it. We think about what we hear over and over and over and over and over. But do you understand tonight there are thousands that sit in lonely prison cells? They're not unknown people, they're known. They're folks in this room who have friends, who have family that sit in a lonely prison cell tonight. They wish they could look forward to going home for Christmas. They wish they could look forward to being with family for a Christmas meal or a Christmas get-together, but it was sin that put them where they are. It's sin that brings the pain. It's sin that brings the hurt. And I want us to understand tonight again as I give you the truth of this message why Jesus came. Jesus came to set us free from sin. I'm glad that in heaven tonight that my name is written in the book of life and when I trusted Christ as Savior, the books according to Revelation chapter 20 that contained all of the sins that I had committed or you had committed when I trusted Christ, those were taken away and the Bible said they were placed in the sea of forgetfulness and I don't have a sin to my record in heaven but in heaven my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and all one day Jesus is coming again and when he comes again he'll put down sin and Satan and oh I think about the fact in fact turn your Bibles if you will to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 though it is a familiar passage of scripture one of these days this old body of mine that's corruptible it's going to be raised and in corruption and this body that is mortal is going to be raised in immortality and then friend I will be free from all of sin and all that sin could do to hurt and crush and cause a difficulty notice what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 51 behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep or we're not all, we're not all going to go to the grave but we shall all be changed now what does that mean that means that when the trumpet sounds those that are alive are going to go immediately to heaven when the trumpet sounds the dead in Christ those that have gone before us 
their bodies are going to be raised. And he explains it. Look at verse number 52 in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. The question is asked, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory over what? Victory over sin. Giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now listen to me tonight. Sin is what's put our nation in debt. Sin has taken our nation further than it ever planned to go. I was studying recently, and it's a frustrating thing to realize how much the communist nation of China now owns in America. You know how many colleges now? You know how many colleges? I mean, places that teach and train our professional People, you know what I mean? Colleges are now owned by the communist country of China. And what they say and what they teach is censored, and it's certainly not patriotic. It's certainly not pro-America. You know, you know how many acres of land China now owns of America? You say, oh, that's not right. Oh, no, it isn't right. Oh, but we see the fulfilling. We see the fulfillment of the word of God. You say, why does this happen? Because of sin. Men sell their souls for the dollar. Doing what is convenient, doing what satisfies rather than what is right, doing what we want rather than what we need, and all these things coming to pass. Oh, but thank God when Jesus came, he came to set us free from our sin. And I this uh, e evening and you as a child of God, we are on the winning side. And no matter what happens in this world, uh, this world not being our home, we're victors in Christ. Oh, don't be deceived by sin. Don't be deceived by the advertisements of the world. Young people, thank God you have the privilege to be in a Christian home. Thank God you have the privilege to sit in church tonight. Thank God you have the privilege to be in a church that teaches the word of God. Oh, I want to say tonight I'm glad Jesus came to set me free from something far greater than the tyranny of government came to set me free from my own sin. Thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I've been born again. Hallelujah, I'm saved, saved, saved by his wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out he would bring me out and show me the way. I'm glad I've been set free. That's why Jesus came. Stand with me if you will. There are those that would tell you 
they'll take a truth, but they'll use it for their own endeavors, their own desires. You know, Hitler would tell the folks in Germany, he spoke first to a crowd of 4,000 people in 1933. You know what he said? He said, Jesus came as the liberator of the world, but those sorry Jews, they killed him, and we've got to get rid of the Jews. He took what was a truth. Christ did come to set the world free of their sin. But Hitler, much like this story, said he came to set the world free and give peace. And the Jews killed Jesus, so we have to kill all the Jews. And he convinced them, and he came to power, and 6,000 of them were killed because of what he taught and believed. You see, the devil will even take truth and use it to his advantage. I'm glad tonight that God gives me truth and he set us free from this world of sin.